Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Well, over the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking about the resurrection. Obviously, we started on Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, talking about the resurrection and Jesus being risen and, and what that means for us and what that meant for him. Um, and then uh, Pastor Priscilla preached a, an amazing message. And then the next last week, we talked about um, a, a little bit more about the resurrection and what that means for us. We're going to go a little different direction with this. Um, this morning, I'm going to start with Mike. Mike, I need your help. Mike, if... Uh, uh, I need your help, Mike. And, and here, Mike, here's what Mike doesn't know what he's helping me with, but this is a big blanket. It's not just a big blanket. It's actually called Big Blanket. A couple of my friends uh, were involved in starting this company called The Big Blanket. And last year when my appendix ruptured, uh, one of them actually sent us this. And it's kind of ironic because it's Big Blanket. And obviously in our household, we're little people. <laughs> but here's what I tell them. I was like, I was like, little people need need big blankets too. Now these two guys that helped started this, they're both like six eight, six foot nine, like they're they're massive human beings, and so that's part of how they they started this. But I wanted to, to show you all this. Um, when I got this big blanket, it came in this package. Now it had a handle, in some kind of way we ripped the handle off. But it came in this one package. So um, we got it. It was actually in a box. Took it out of the box. And then this was the package. It was, it was the big blanket in this bag. But I wanted to take it out because obviously the big blanket's not supposed to stay in the bag. Like that's not the point, right? The point is the blanket, which you take the blanket out of the bag. And then, Mike, let's see how big this blanket is. Let me, like, it's kind of heavy too, huh? It's got a little weight to it. Like this is a massive this is a massive blanket. And um, shameless plug, it's online. If you want one, you can go buy one. <laughs> I don't get any commission or anything off of that. But like, this is a massive blanket. And the blanket is supposed to be taken out. And, and like, not only can our whole family get in it, but like, it'll cover our entire <laughs> couch. <laughs> like, like, if anybody wants to come over, y'all could probably fit in this with us. Um, That'd be kind of weird, don't, don't, but, but, but you could if you wanted to, right? It's like this massive blanket. So the point of this blanket is not to stay in this bag. The point of this blanket is to take out and to, to lay under and sit under and all that. Well, here was the problem. It, um, when, when, I, when they came up with this, I told my wife, like, hey, I want to buy one of these big blankets. And, and the first problem she brought up was, well, are you going to wash it? Because, like, I don't know, like, does this all go in a washing machine? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that, so I didn't buy one. So once they sent me one, then like they sent me one, like, hey, we got to figure out how to wash it. And so washing, she figured out, I don't know all that, but she figured it out. But then um, we had it out in the living room. And y'all know, especially if you're married, us guys, we'll take something out, we'll use it. We're not great at putting it back though. So like it was out on the couch for probably a week, maybe a month. I don't know. And finally, my wife was like, hey, I need you to put that big blanket back in that bag and put it up somewhere. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you 
uh, I'm going <laughs> to ask you, because I already know I can't do it. Like, I, I've tried. I know that that blanket does not fit back in this bag if I have anything to do with it. So, Mike, I, I need you to just try to, try to get this blanket back in that bag. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. I need you to, I need you to try to, I don't know, like, I don't even know. If you need me to help, just let me know where you want me to help. But trust me, you don't want me leading this endeavor because that would be a disaster. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, that was his wife cheering him on. And I got, I got a feeling in some ways cheering her, herself on, like a little selfish motivation, like, Mike, if you can figure this out, the whole home will change. The whole will, will be so much better. As Mike is trying to figure this out, let me, just, let me just say, first of all, this ain't quick. Now, some of y'all might be able to do it quick, um, but me and Mike cannot. Uh, I can already tell you like what he's trying to do. It's a little messy. Like, it's not as clean as he would like for it to be. He's not real excited. He's not real excited that I asked him to do this right now. It's not real. It's not real fun. No, 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 no. You just got to get it in the bag. I don't care how you get it in the bag. But it's not real quick. It's a little messy. It's not real fun. A little difficult for now. I think you got a solid plan. But we'll see. Now he's got a blanket that's way bigger than his bed. You, you got some work to do, buddy. Look, it'll, get there. it'll get there. Maybe. Here we go. Here we go. We're, we're kind of altering the plan a little bit, figuring it out. Mm. Mm. Okay, round one. Round one. Is this blanket going to fit in this bag? <laughs> Y'all can already see this is not, this is not, uh, and, and Mike, I got to say, that's pretty good, man. That is pretty, that is way better than I thought. That's as good as, it took me about 30 minutes to do what you just did. Now, you're not going to get that to zip, though. <laughs> yeah, it's got to get in the bag. It's like, I got I to gotta take that home. And everybody's cheering for you. I think you still got a little work to do, though. He might be able to get it, though. He might be able to get it. Now, he's tried to change his, his strategy a little bit. Like, he's had to change his strategy. Now, he's pushing and pulling. And Hey, we got to do this in second service. You break this bag, it's going to be a lot harder in second service. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. There you go. Look at you, man. Somebody may have lied to me. I had it on good authority that you were going to struggle more than that, Mike. But the blanket goes back in the bag. Now, when I got it and it was in the bag, this is one piece. But it's not really like designed to just be one piece. It's designed to actually come out of the bag and there to be two pieces, the bag that holds it and the blanket, the thing that we actually want to use. But it has to go back to one piece, back into the bag, especially if you're married, because otherwise it's going to be a problem. Keep that in mind. If, you have a, if, you're, if you're taking notes and you want a title, 
The title for this message is one, like the number one, two, the number two, one. One to one, not one T-O, one. One, two, one. And, and here, here's, where we're going, here's where we're going to start. We're going to start all the way in the beginning. We'll start in Genesis. Um, turn me in your Bible to so Genesis chapter two. In Genesis, we read that, that God creates man, and, and actually when you go through and read, uh, especially the first three chapters of Genesis, um, it'll talk about creating man, um, and then we're introduced to the, the name of the man, which is Adam or, or Adam. And actually those words, when you go back to the original language, man and Adam are the same word. Um, and, and, that, and that means humanity. It's actually a representation of all of humanity, the human species. And so God creates man, Adam, and essentially he creates all of us into Adam, into Adam. We all come from Adam. We were all inside of Adam in this creation. And so God's original was there was one, one man, Adam, and all of us were in it. But, but then God looks around and he says, it's not good for man, for Adam, for humanity to just be one. It's not good for humanity to simply be alone. And so we guys, we know this story. So then God puts Adam, puts man into a deep sleep and he does this surgery and he creates another man that Adam calls woman. Now, I I know it's like a lame preacher's joke, but every time I just hear the word woman now or read it now, I just think, you know, I get it, Adam, I get it. Like he sees this beautiful creature and he says, whoa, man. You know, like I know it's lame, but I just, that's, that's, that's still what I think about every time. Um, every time I see my wife and every time I read this, it's just, it's just whoa, wow. Um, and so, so he creates woman and uh, you, guys, you guys know this story. He creates woman from, from Adam's side. And then let's read in verse, uh, let's start in verse 23. This is right after he creates woman and brings the woman to her man. Genesis chapter two, verse 23. It says, then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's a different message for a different day, maybe a different audience. Here's something that's very, very interesting. As soon as God takes humanity from one to two, we get to verse 24 of Genesis chapter two. This is really, really interesting because most of the time we take Genesis chapter two, verse 24, and we take it separately. We use it a lot in premarital counseling. We use it in marital counseling. We use it in weddings. And we talk about like, hey, when you get married, the two of you become one. You need to leave your father and mother. They don't need to be in your business. You don't need to tell them all of this. And we go through all of this about this particular verse isolated apart from the rest of the chapter. But immediately after God makes one into two, this is what he says. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. It's probably not the first thing I would have said after I created woman. I probably would have talked about some purity rules because there'd be other women coming. You know, I'd have probably talked about, you know, honor and respect and love and, 
you know, whatever, how to, how to partner together. I'd have talked about different things, but God chose to immediately talk about a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So he has one. He's like, one is not good enough. He creates two. And immediately upon two, he says, but, 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 I need you to be just like your one. I need you to be united. I need you to be unified. Because eventually, you'll go back in the bag and you will be one. I'm getting ahead of myself. But this is fascinating to me. When, when, we, when we think about leaving father and mother, oftentimes we don't think about a death and a resurrection. But in actuality, death just means separation. That's, that's all death is. When we talk about physical death, it is simply us, the real us, our spirit, separating from our body. That's all that happens. That's why the scripture says that we actually never die because it's talking about the real us, our spirit. So physical death is our spirit leaving our body. We call that death because it's separation. We call the death of a relationship um, whenever the, there's separation to the point where there's no more interaction, no more communication. So, so death is simply separation. And immediately upon creating two, God begins to talk about death. Leave separate from your father and mother. Now, now, in, in today's context, I'm not saying act like your parents are dead. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But this is fascinating that immediately God begins to talk about a death, a separation, a disconnection, if you will, for the purpose of holding fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh, which to me just screams resurrection. It screams there's a separation with mother and father. There's a separation here only to be resurrected. And, and if you've been married, um, if you've been uh, happily married, then you know this is a better thing than the connection with your mother and your father for many reasons. <laughs> so, so, so one thing has to die for another thing to be resurrected. Oh, I don't know if y'all are, are catching this. God creates us in one, in Adam, in humanity to then separate us into two because we needed two, in actuality, two to become one and to be unified. And he gives us the picture right from the beginning of marriage. Because it's all supposed to come back to becoming one flesh. Now, you, you guys know the story. Satan comes in and he, he brings sin in. He, he does all that he does in Genesis chapter three. If you've never read Genesis chapter three, I'd encourage you to go back and read Genesis chapter three. But he comes to separate that unity that God spoke of immediately after creating two. And, and, he, and he brings it, he comes to separate it through sin, so he brings sickness and death, and, and he brings it into all of humanity, because at this point, there is only Adam and Eve. And so the rest of the Bible then is about the two coming back into unity, first of all with God, but also with a very close second, coming back in unity with each other. Now, now you can go through 
And, and it may be easier to identify in certain chapters and certain books than in others, but you can go through the rest of the Bible and see how God is attempting to bring the two back together as one. It's why when Jesus was asked, hey, what does all this boil down to? What, what, what do I really need to know? Like, what's most important? He says, love God with everything that you have, meaning be one with God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. When the Bible goes through and is talking so much about the two becoming one, again, um, a lot of times we're focused on the children of Israel. We're, we're, we're focused on a certain group, but there's, there's many reasons. There's theological reasons for that that we don't have time to get into right now. But ultimately, when we get to the New Testament, we read over and over and over that it is Jews and Gentiles that are uh, 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 not only have the opportunity to know God, God, but, but are expected to be one with God and one with each other. If you're, if you're not tracking with me, go to Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. Let me, let me kind of get into this a little bit. Um, and again, we see this throughout the scriptures because God made the one. He took it to two because he said one just, it wasn't good enough. Two became 10, became 20, became 2,000, became 2 million, became how many are we at now? 7 billion, just, just right now, whatever that number is. But the plan was always for us to come back to one. Let me, let me read several verses here, beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now let me pause right there. This is a description of not just these people here in Ephesus, but a description of all of us. Every single one of us were dead in our sins, in our trespasses. Every single one of us, hopefully once, not currently, hopefully once walked with following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. This is a reference to Satan. And isn't it interesting that he's called the prince of the power of the air? This is way more relevant to us now than maybe it was to them then. Because, you know, through the airwaves is how we get our TV. It's how we get our radio. It's how we get our internet. Like it, it, mm. There's another message in there. But then, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, it was the spirit that was in work in us. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, just doing what we wanted to do. Find out what makes you happy, follow that, that's your purpose in life. Really? Because this, talking about when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, says we were people who all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So we often think of like the clearly sinful desires of our body and mind, but actually that's not what it says. It just says the desires of our body and our mind. And we're by nature children of wrath. If you've had kids, you recognize this, you understand this. It's, it's in our nature. Like the rest of mankind, it's in our nature because of sin because we were all in Adam, because we were all in the one 
who brought sin into the world. And then even when God made two, it was still all in us. And God wants to bring us back to a one, a oneness with him and a oneness with each other. Verse four, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. But it doesn't just say it made us alive with Christ. Paul says it made us alive together with Christ. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that the resurrection of Jesus and all that that means and all that that means for me is not just about my salvation? You've heard me say this many times. If you slow down and read your Bible, it'll mess with your theology, especially our American theology where we've gotten to this place where it is so individualistic. It is about you and, and God blessing you and God protecting you and God providing for you and God and you and you and your purpose and you. And, and listen, God loves you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He wants to do all those things for you, but that's not the point. There is a, a collective peace of salvation. There is a collective power that the resurrection provides that Paul is just starting with this, this little term he puts in there, together, not just alive in Christ, but alive together in Christ. He's gonna, he's gonna harp on this like I often harp on things. By grace, you have been saved. We love that. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, now, hold on. Let, let's just, let's take a moment and slow down. By grace, you have been saved, singular. So you have to make a decision to receive that grace. You have to, you have to make a decision to believe. That's an individual thing. But that is when Paul stops this individual terminology and begins to use plural, raised us up. He didn't say raised you up. Yes, he raised you up, but it's not just you. He wants the one that became two to then come back to being one. Not in a sense of it's all about you, but it's about us. I'm gonna keep proving it here because he harps on this. It's no longer singular, it's plural. Raised us up with him and seated, not you, but us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness is, is as much a collective thing for the body of Christ as it is an individual thing. Because so many times we only think of this individually. Listen, I'm gonna be right, I'm gonna do right, I'm gonna believe right so, so that I will have the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. Meaning, whatever you do, that's between you and God. I'm not my brother's keeper. I don't have any responsibility for you. I don't have any responsibility for unity. I have a responsibility to love God with everything that I have. And you are absolutely right, but you are absolutely incomplete. 
Because Jesus didn't stop there. He said, you are also to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So can you make somebody righteous? Can you save somebody? Absolutely not. But are we in this together? Absolutely. Is it already time? Ayo, you're not that slick. I see you. I see you. We all see you. Josh told you to come up here and hurry me up, huh? <laughs> He's not going to throw Josh under the bus. Okay, I'll be done. Just give me a minute. You can play if you want. Verse 8, for by grace, you, you have been saved through faith. Not we, but you. Now we're going back to individual. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Period. For we, back to plural, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, us together. Therefore, remember that at one time, you, going back to individual, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, he's talking to a group of people that were separated, the Gentiles. He says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's not talking to an individual. He's talking to Gentiles. He's talking to a group of people. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one. Who is us? It's the Jews, it's the Gentiles, it's the whites, the blacks, the Hispanics, the Asians, it's the young, it's the old, it's the rich, it's the poor, it's the educated, it's the uneducated, it's, it's the prosperous, it's the homeless. Jesus, in his resurrection, he not only became our peace, but he made us both, all of us, the body of Christ, he made us one. He took the, the two the two million, the two billion, and in his resurrection, in his death, burial, and resurrection, he made us one again. And he goes on and says, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What is this saying? In Jesus' resurrection, he broke down the barriers. Now, now, we don't have time, but back in the temple, there were barriers, there were walls that kept the Gentiles from going deeper, deeper into the temple to the places that only Jews could go. And what Jesus did was he broke down that wall. He broke down every uh, form of hostility, every barrier that would keep us as the body of Christ from being united. And that includes not only uh, theology, that includes a race, that includes ethnicity, that includes status, that includes all these, that includes politics. Jesus broke down that wall so that the two of us, the two billion of us, the seven billion of us could become one. And that is every much a part of his plan as your individual and personal salvation. 
every bit. I am so out of time. I just, I shook you from not playing, huh? You could play. You don't have to play. But if you play, I might hurry. Let me, let me, let me quickly give you, I'm a pastor, so I got, I got, I got three points two different times. This brings us, this is, this is a benefit. This brings us abundant life. For time's sake, John chapter 10, verse 10. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. You cannot have abundant life alone. It is not good for Adam, humanity, to be alone. You cannot have abundant life alone. Unity with each other brings abundant life. It also brings power. Genesis chapter 11, they're going to the Tower of Babel, but God didn't tell them there. He told them to spread out. But they were all unified with one voice, with one language, in one purpose. So much so that God said, there is nothing impossible to them. I have to scatter them. Why? Because they were united in sin. But even in sin, that unity is so powerful that nothing is impossible with him or, or through them when they're, when they're unified. That power is available. And we're told with God, nothing is impossible, but without him, we can do nothing. It's not just our unity with God, but it's our unity with each other. We're not only better together, but there is power in our togetherness. And then number three, this shows the world who Jesus actually is. In John chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus prayed that we would be one so that the whole world may believe. Two, becoming one, it can't be done superficially, especially in our day and time. It can't be done shallowly. It can't be done clearly. It's gonna be... Um, even more than Mike putting this back in this bag because sin has separated the two of us. The two groups, the two sides, whatever the other is. But putting it back together, making it one, getting it back to the place where God wants it to be in unity, not in uniformity because we're better together. There's more beauty together. There's, there's, there's beauty in our differences. There's power in our differences. But putting it back together is going to be difficult. It's going to be messy. It's going to be slow. It's not going to be fun. But this blanket isn't designed <laughs> to just sit out forever, especially if you have a it has a place, and it needs to go back in its place until it's time for it to be used again. And, and, and God has created all of us in Adam. He separated us, but immediately upon separating us, he gives us instructions to be un unified, the two becoming one. We have so many other scriptures about this as a representation, not just in marriage, but how that affects our relationship with Christ. We are to be one with him and one with each other. So what can you do? Because listen, we all can think of whoever the other is and we're like, Pastor, I have no idea what to do with that. Even if God wants me to be united with them, like I can't stand them, I can't even stomach them, I can't listen to them. I, I, I've tried on social media to, to not unfollow people or, or block people and, and I, I, I gave up. Uh, just, I think yesterday I just had to unfollow somebody who, like I just, I can't take it anymore. Like I just can't, I just can't. Like for me, I couldn't. So what can you do? Number one, we need to be praying. We need to be praying for unity 
We need to be praying John chapter 17, especially verse 21. We need to be praying for peace and patience, compassion, understanding for our own selves. We need to be praying for opportunities to be united and have relationship and fellowship and connection with other people, not just other people who are like us. And I'm not even just talking about look like us. There could be people who don't look like you, but that are so similar to you that you're still creating that same vacuum. Number two, we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional about developing relationships with people who aren't like you. That's, that's what Jesus, that's the mystery of the gospel. When you keep reading here, I don't even have time. When you keep reading here in verse 21 of Ephesians chapter two, it says, in whom the whole structure, talking about all of us being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus is the cornerstone, but the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It is all of us growing, not individually, not solely individually, but us growing together that makes the temple of the Lord. That's why in 1 Corinthians it tells us that some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, some of us are whatever, different parts of the body that make up one body. Don't let your body rot. Don't ignore parts of your body. You may be able to help parts of your body. They may be able to help you intentionally develop relationships. And let me say this, in doing that, listen, 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 listen. You may already know what they're going to say. You may already have a rebuttal in your head, but have the humility to listen. And when you listen, just make a decision before you even start to develop these relationships that you will refuse to be offended. I'm, I'm making, I will refute, no matter what you say, I am not going to get offended. Because I can promise you this, if we do this right, it's messy, it's difficult, it doesn't work cleanly like we think it does. And therefore, we are gonna have many opportunities to be offended. Many opportunities to say, Mike, why did you do it that way? Why didn't you line up the corners more? Why didn't you start pushing quick? Like, there's a better way to do that. I don't know the better way, by the way. But there's a better way to do this. I'm so mad you didn't do it the right way. We have to choose that I will not be offended. Why? Because if they are a believer, we're on the same team. And that just means my hand needs a little work. I got a finger out of place. I got a toe that's hurting. And then number three is you have to focus on the main thing. On the main thing. Here's the main thing. Do they profess Jesus? Because every one of us, not just here, but every person that you'll meet is either somebody who professes Jesus or God wants them to profess Jesus. Let me say it another way. Every one of them is a Christian or every one of them God wants to be a Christian. Everyone, black, white, Democrat, Republican, whatever. Everyone, let's focus on the main thing. Before I allow myself to get offended and, and upset, and I'm not talking to y'all, I'm talking to us. Before I allow myself to hate you and talk bad about you and can't stomach you, let me focus on, are you a believer in Jesus? Because if you're a believer in Jesus, then we got a foundation to work from. 
And if you're not, then we don't really need to be talking about this other stuff because there is a main thing. There is a, a more important thing that needs to be established first. So my prayer then is for you to come to know Jesus, for God to use me to be a mouth, to be a light, to be whatever he needs. That before we start talking about politics or, or whatever, like let's first of all establish the foundation. And you can't just say, oh, they're, they're not a Christian, so forget them. They're a, they're a Democrat, not a Christian. They're a Republican, not a Christian. They're a whatever, not a Christian. So forget them. No, no. We are to be one. God wants all of us to be in the family. And if they are, that may even be more difficult. If they are a Christian, you're like, you're a Christian. You should know better. That may be true. But I guarantee you, if we peek deep enough into your life, there would be areas that you should know better. They may not look as evil. They may not be as obvious. But we all fall short. We all miss it. I'm not saying it's easy. It's way more difficult than putting this back in. But God is so passionate about this that he talks about it over and over and over. And Jesus... In one of his last moments, prays that we would be one, just like he is one with the Father. Not faith for life, we would be unified, but that Christians would be unified. So, what are we doing to follow Jesus? Is it all about us? Is it all about what he can do for us? Is it all about our prayer time and our fasting and our sacrifice and us and what God will do for us? Or can we begin to see that God created one to make two for it to come back to one? Can we do everything in our power to live peaceably with all men and all women? Starting at home, but then going out. It's, it's why I'm, I'm, I'm out. I know. You need to play a little louder or something. I'm out of time. I got to stop. But it's why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and that, that's literal, but it's also figurative, right? So, so you, need to, you need to love yourself, not, not in an unhealthy way, but in a, in a righteous way. You need to know who God made you to be. And you need to be, you need to be thankful for that. You need to love who God made you to be. But also, when you love people that are just like you, what you're doing is you're loving yourself. Saying, like you love that person that's easy to get along with, that y'all can talk for days, that y'all can connect with and you can trust. Love your neighbor, the one who's not like that, in the same way. You want to know what it means to follow Jesus? Yes, it's about reading your Bible, it's about praying, it's about forgiving, it's about all these individual things, but it is also a corporate salvation. The resurrection was not only for your individual salvation, it's for us to grow together into the temple of the Lord. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.